St. Thomas, you know, he's famous in the Summa. Everybody starts off with the five proofs of God's existence, yeah. you know, which is like a single article, I think, yeah. uh, within the Summa at the beginning. But he has over a thousand articles on the virtues. Mm-hmm. It, it's just strange that we've overlooked it. Like, yeah. clearly, that's the thing that he found to be so critical. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, God's existence, but it's almost like it's so obvious that, mm-hmm. you know, here's just some proofs that I'll toss at the beginning. But really, the, the, the fine-tuning of the Christian tradition is found in the life of the virtues. Welcome back to Deep in Christ. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi, here at the Coming Home Network International, bringing to you another discussion about our daily task of growing in imitation of and relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you again for being here and for being part of this discussion. I have a treat for you this week. We were joined by Jacob Imam, who's an editor over at newpolity.com. It's a neat website to check out, um, uh, talking about politics and money and all aspects of the Christian life lived out in the world, in society. We've been listening to their podcast in which they've been talking a lot about the virtues, the virtues in related relationship to money. Um, and Jacob was in town, uh, and he's a neat guy, and he came in to share a bit of his story uh, and, and some thoughts with us uh, here on Deep in Christ. And so this is going to be a conversation in two parts. The first episode today, the first part of the discussion, Jacob shares a bit of his conversion to Christ from Islam, to the Catholic Church, and finally to this life uh, in Christ of virtue. And he gives us a good kind of refresher on what is virtue and why is it so important. Not not extra, not added on to, but part and parcel of our life of putting on the new man, putting on Christ as a Christian. We had a great discussion. I hope you enjoy it. Let's dive in. Go for Jacob, it. Jacob, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today, brother. Hey, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. Appreciate I've been, it. I've been looking forward to talking and, and to meeting you in person for a long time. We've just got a lot a lot of connections. Um, yep. A lot of connections. I mean, in terms of you being a convert to the church, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, some of the virtue stuff that we're going to talk about, your, your projects at, at New Polity and the podcast. Uh, I've been really enjoying. actually got a copy of the, the magazine here. We'll talk a little bit more of that later, but uh, newpolity.com. Yeah. And why we recommend throwing people off of stairs. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very riveting article. You can check that out. So, yeah, new, newpolity.com. We'll talk more about that. But, Great. Yeah, a lot of connections. And But I, I figured we'd start today hearing a little bit about your story. That, that's one of the things that connects to the Coming Home Network here. Mm-hmm. You know, we were a network of people from a variety of backgrounds who've become Catholic. And yeah. a lot of what we do is is tell stories. And so I wanted to, to get a little feel for yours, because I don't think I've heard it yet. You, you've told it a couple places. I saw that you were on Matt Frad's show. Yeah, yeah I, I, heard the, yeah. I heard the later discussion, the money discussion, but I didn't, I didn't get a chance to listen to the conversion story. So I'm, I'm fresh here. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah, well, what's, what's your background there? Yeah. So I, I was born into a kind of a split home of sorts. Mm-hmm. My dad was a Muslim, born in Jerusalem. My mom was actually technically born, uh, not even technically, she just was born a Catholic, Mm -hmm. baptized a Catholic, but her family ended up leaving the church when she was about 11 years old, Mm -hmm. um, ironically over Humanae Vitae. And I say ironically because they already had eight kids at that point. (laughs) I thought, well, you know, you've gone that far, just keep going, you know. Uh, But they, uh, so she really was not raised Mm -hmm. in the church after that point and, Mm -hmm. you know, never, never really had the great blessing of, yeah, yeah, of uh, of of good catechism and yeah. the catechesis and such. 
uh, my dad I mentioned was was part of a pretty well known and powerful family in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Uh, they his his grandfather or excuse me his father was the the first travel agent or excuse me how should I say it he he founded the first travel agency in the Holy Land, huh. uh, which is kind of a cool cool claim to fame. Yeah. He helped broker some of the Dead Sea Scrolls, wow. uh, which is really neat. His uh, his own father, so my father's grandfather, was an imam at Al-Aqsa Mosque, mm-hmm. which is considered to be probably the third holiest site uh, within Islam. Uh, and then his his father, uh, and then his own father was was a mufti mm-hmm. of of Jerusalem, which is maybe the closest thing that you can find as an equivalent to the bishop uh, within within the Catholic Church. Yeah. So they really came from quite a quite a strong line of of uh, Within the Islamic faith, and uh, and and there were a few, but there were a few things that kind of happened along the way, where my grandfather uh, had his uh, had had a few different experiences within the archaeological sites mm-hmm. of of Jerusalem as he's giving around tours and he's doing these studies and he's uh, studying, you know, the places where Jesus Christ walked the earth. And for him, Christ was, Jesus was a prophet. He wasn't God. Right. But there's a number of things that uh, were, were uh, not alarming so much as mysterious to him. It really did seem like he was crucified, unlike what the Quran seems on the surface to suggest. It seems like there were um, really like people claiming for his resurrection and his ascension. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ended up reading the scriptures most days. He, you know, he started to move slightly away from uh, Sharia and such, uh, and uh, and even at one point told my dad to marry a Christian. Uh, shortly, yeah, kind of a big, yeah, which is permissible within yeah. within the Quran uh, that a Muslim man may marry a Christian or a Jewish woman, mm-hmm. uh, not vice versa. That's uh, not allowed, right. but it was okay. Anyways, my my dad did ultimately do that insofar as he married an American, which, mm-hmm. of course, the culture and religion are so intertwined in the Middle East. Right. Something that I think they just recognize is true, whereas we in the West, within our, what I'll call them later defined in the podcast, yeah. is our liberal society, yeah. uh, really, we don't understand. We think that there is a proper bifurcation between faith, religion, and the society at large. And so my uh, my father did marry my mother, and she, of course, was technically a lapsed Catholic, didn't know much about the faith. Moved back. They did get married there, and they ended up moving to the States. And uh, my mom uh, was searching for quite a number of, of answers to various questions that the society was all asking in the 70s and, uh, and, and found some answers in, from her next door neighbors who are doing a Bible study on the book of, of uh, John, or the gospel of St. John. They were evangelicals and so she became an evangelical at that po- moment. Now years went by before I was born and I am an only child, uh, but then I was raised with my father teaching me things about the Quran and Muhammad and my mom sneaking into the <laughs> bedroom at night uh, telling me things about Jesus and, and the Bible. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was a little bit of this s- strange turmoil and a, certainly a bifurcation in the home that I was raised in. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't really until I became a, uh, 
high, a junior high student of sorts where I had a, a strong conviction of my sin. Mm-hmm. And I thought that there was, uh, there was something just inherently wrong with me <laughs> and, and with the whole world, that this just could not be the way that a creator would have wanted it. Yeah. And so I turned to my father's God first and all I heard, you know, out of the, the, the tradition, the Quranic tradition was do better and try harder. Mm-hmm. But within the Christian tradition, there was, sin was taken seriously. This was a huge deal that there was a, a strong correction for, that was demanded of me. And, but there was more importantly, or not maybe more importantly, but most importantly, there was a way out through yeah. Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice, through his perfect sacrifice that I was then supposed to enter, to, to come to a part of. And so that's, yeah. that's when I was asked, I asked to be baptized and yeah. It's so interesting that yeah. so many, so many systems, philosophies, religions mm-hmm. out there, they, they get up to that point, right? That, you know, that, that we, we need to be stoic, we need to be virtuous in, in some mm. human way, yeah. you know, we need to try hard. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of good in that, right? But but it it, it ends up a very yeah kind of a despairing. Uh, it, it doesn't go that last step to really to receive a God who comes down, you know, to yeah. to enter into it and to to bring the mercy aspect of it. Absolutely, I yeah. think that's really well put. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I I didn't really know a practicing Catholic at the time, or I did, but never really had a chance to get to know them well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I bounced around Protestant churches for a few years until I pretty much just thought there's there's just no hope. I just I can't find where where I'm supposed to be within within the church at large, and uh, and and really the despair came from this. There were so many questions within the Protestant world about what the nature of communion was, as we would refer to it, when you should baptize somebody women preachers. And I thought, this seems just like the most basic things. We really should figure this <laughs> stuff out by now. You know, and I, and I didn't mean it demeaning. It, sure. and it, it, was, it was, you know, it sounds that way and it, and it probably rightfully does, mm-hmm. but, but I didn't mean it that way. And, yeah. and, and what I, 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 I thought was that it just cannot be right that we don't have access to a real interpreter of the scriptures, a real, a true, sound interpretation of the scriptures. Why? Because I crave intimacy with Christ so much, and yet I know, without without any doubt, that He craves that intimacy with me more than I ever could Him. Yeah. And so He would not put this barrier between us. So I thought, okay, there has to be an answer. And right then, uh, I one of my old teachers from high school was converting to Eastern Orthodoxy. Mm-hmm. And he taught me about the tradition, and I was starting to read some medieval texts at, at the same time, and finding that there was a whole new side of Christianity that I really didn't know. So I became an Orthodox catechumen, and then in that process, to cut a long story short, they kept referring to themselves or defining themselves against the Catholic <laughs> Church, and I thought, well, I should probably hear it from the horse's mouth yeah. and uh, join Catholic catechesis at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so I did those at, at the same moment. And I ended up leaving Orthodox catechesis, uh, a huge fan of the East, mm-hmm. and yet so confident that yeah. I needed to be Catholic. So anyways, 
one thing led to another, another and here I am sitting say. in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> and so how how did you get connected to my buddy Mark and the, the crowd in Steubenville? Yeah. I, yeah. That's a part of the story I guess I haven't had filled in yet. Yeah. No, that's a great, uh, that's, you know, a great side of it. Um, so Mark Barnes is uh, one of the editors with, with New Polity. He mm-hmm. first became rather famous through a blog that he had called Bad, Bad Catholic. Catholic. It's yeah. still up there. I mean, that it's a good blog. It's a phenomenal <laughs> blog. And, you know, I just, you know, started, a buddy of mine recommended it to me. And mm-hmm. This is this is just supreme yeah. stuff. And, uh, and I, you know, I thought at the time, like, this, this guy has to be the new G.K. Chesterton. And... <laughs> Uh, and I thought, you know, he had to be most creative mind in our generation. Now, like all these years later, and you know, Mark was in my wedding. I'm uh, the godfather of, of his, his son. So we knew one another quite, we worked together as new polity. And so after like getting to know somebody for some time, you can kind of have a, you know, sometimes it happens that you have a lesser vision of him. And I just don't, I still think he's the most creative guy in the world. Um, at least of our generation, uh, really amazing, re- really amazing man. Anyways. My buddy who introduced me to the blog mm. one day just decided to send Mark an email and CC'd me to it mm-hmm. for no real apparent <laughs> reason. Uh, well, anyways, Mark started to do his graduate work in England, and I was living there doing my graduate work there. Different universities, but, um, but uh, you know, it's a small country. So Mark sends me a note one day saying, hey, you know, we emailed once and... Uh, do you have a place for me to crash? <laughs> I go, sure, yeah. So he, uh, so he came in and we uh, we grabbed him and out of his wet suitcase he pulled out a few uh, social encyclicals and said, "Do you know about Catholic social teaching?" And I go, "Wow, it's great to meet you, man!" And, and everything really took off after that point, and we became really close friends. And uh, and and. What he was discovering um, in and with the and through the work of Andrew Willer Jones, another really close friend of ours, uh, was just exactly what I was hungering for. So after there was kind of that hunger to uh, figure out where is traditional uh, Christianity, then there was this other hunger where I thought, I just uh, surely there's a way that we can live more in line with Christ, really entering further into His life than what our modern society has. And and that's really what Andrew Jones has been exploring for years mm-hmm. and what um, he's encouraged Mark in and then uh, and then through Mark me. And so yeah. and this is uh, it's totally radicalized yeah. the way that we've seen the world mm-hmm. and uh, the, intim- the the possible intimacy that we find with Christ. And so anyways, Mark to to cut the story a little bit shorter. Mark invited me out to uh, Steubenville once, or I guess Andrew did through the St. Paul Center, uh, and uh, and I got to see what they were trying to to do, and not just that these were concepts on a page of a book, mm-hmm. but really things that they were trying to live out in Steubenville. So I thought, well, I guess I'm going to move here. <laughs> <laughs> I need the help, and so and so my wife and I did, and uh, and that's that's uh, where we are now. That's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I want to talk about the new polity stuff and and some of the the reasons why my ears perked up when I, I first started listening to you guys' podcast. Um, one thing I wanted to say first, though, is that you know just even this notion of after becoming Catholic, still you know having this desire for other Christians who yeah. who really want to 
not settle for the status quo, even in the church of, you know, yeah. what, what is it, what would it really look like to pursue holiness, to try to be a saint in 2021 yeah, yeah. and beyond? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and as a community in terms of the Coming Home Network, I mean, you have a lot of kindred spirits here because, um, like, you know, like you, they entered the church and many of the, the guys and, and gals that we, we work with, they're people who become convinced of Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And many times what they're ending up having to do is, is leave, leave, a, you know, their, their, their pastorate behind, leave their, right. leave their vocation behind. Something yeah. they've, they've studied for, they've trained for, their whole life has been their identity as a pastor. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. these people, again, in, in the modern world, it sounds, it, 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 to get on an airplane and try to describe what we do and the Coming Home Network, it's <laughs> like, help Protestant pastors become Catholic. Like it's, <laughs> people don't, for a variety of reasons, people don't have a file folder for that. <laughs> but, and, but one of the reasons, it just sounds like, like you're just you're majoring in the minors. Like you did. Like you're making a big deal out of out of that. But it, but it is a big deal. Sure is. Because again, like you, there are people that they they love Jesus, mm-hmm. and that's why they're even open to being able to consider. Well, maybe there's more to this Christianity. Yeah. And so too, you know, to continue to follow that thread of what it, would it mean? Yeah. First of all, am I in the right part of Christianity? Is this the true church? But then, yeah. What about my money? What about my time? What yeah. about my way of living in this weird culture yep. to to continue asking those questions like that's that's the kind of people that uh that you know th- that this community is and so um anyway yeah. in terms of in terms of your particular um my ears perked up because so on this podcast my brother father peter and i have been doing a long study on the virtues mm-hmm. um our buddy uh joseph peeper here we were yeah. walking through that book uh slowly and carefully, really, really like his work. But I, I really got into the virtues a few years ago um, under a similar impulse, as you mm-hmm. said. Like I was, I, I wanted, what, what's the next step uh, in trying to to really get practical with uh, turning my life over to Christ? And so yeah, yeah. To, uh, you guys were talking about money, but you really were relating it to the virtues. And that, that's really what kind of perked my ears up. Yeah. Um, so I want to I talk about the virtues a little bit first because... I was mentioning this before the show, but like up until a few years ago, I had only heard the virtues sort of referenced in passing and always in kind of vague, unsystematic, and oftentimes contradictory ways. Sure. So, yeah. Well, what are some of the contradictory ways? Can you fill me in on that? Well, like I would hear lists, like here, here are like the root sins and there'd be a list and there'd be different, different person's list and a different homily. Oh, right, right, right. Or you'd have a virtue book and, and the list of virtues would just be all these kind of random things of obviously varying importance, like, oh, love is a virtue, and also like um, you know, like hospitality or like honesty and uh, and all good things, all obviously good qualities, yep. but no rhyme or reason about which ones were kept in or left out or, or where they fit together. And I hadn't really encountered like a systematic treatment of like the cardinal virtues yep. and realizing, okay, there is there, there was a whole science of virtue and vice for, for the medievals, for the scholastics, and I, totally. I had never encountered that before. Yeah, and it's surprising that we don't because St. Thomas, you know, he's famous in the Summa. Everybody starts off with the five proofs of God's existence, yeah. you know, which is like a single article, I think, yeah. uh, within the Summa at the beginning. But he has over a thousand articles on the virtues. Mm-hmm. It, it's just strange that we've overlooked it. Like, yeah. clearly, that's the thing that he's found to be so critical. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, God's existence, but it's almost like 
it's so obvious that, mm-hmm. you know, here's just some proofs that I'll toss at the beginning. But really, the, the, the fine-tuning of the Christian tradition is found in the life of the virtues. Can you yeah. give us a little bit of a summary? I mean, we, my yeah. brother and I have tried in our own way yeah. as, as newcomers <laughs> to this to, to give it. But, you know, what is virtue and, and why? It's not something extra to the life of the Christian. Even no. though it might be a new vocabulary, it's not extra. It's it's, it's so important. Yeah. So when I first heard I mean, the the language of virtues, I thought that's so antiquarian. You know, <laughs> it just like sounds so boring. But but this is why I think it's so important that that when Christ says that we are to be clothed with Christ, what He is referring to is just becoming virtuous. Yeah. So when we talk about being virtuous. Maybe if you want to think about it in a more exciting way, think about it as St. Paul said it, being clothed with Christ. Like the virtues themselves turn us more, turn us all into being better images of Christ. That's what they are there for. Yeah. They are aspects of Christ's life that we are then habituating ourselves towards. Mm-hmm. Now, becoming virtuous is, is really tough because that means that you're becoming like God. Mm-hmm. And yet it is the most luminous part of the Christian life where we enter into him. You know, as St. Saint, Saint Peter says at the beginning of his uh, second epistle, that we are supposed to be participating within the divine nature. Yeah. That is the language of virtue. That's what it is. Yeah. That's all it is. And, this, and what is it all? So what is that? What, what can we conclude from that right mm. off the bat? Mm. What is the divine life? Well, we know it's Trinitarian. We know that from eternity past, you have the Father beginning the Son, and between the Father and the Son, there proceeds the Holy Spirit. There's this life of giving and receiving, and receiving, mm-hmm. beginning and proceeding, that is the life of God. And so virtues becoming more like God is actually renders us more relational mm-hmm. to, to actually have this prosperous, uh, joyful, fruitful uh, relationship with one another yeah. that that begins to emerge. So this is also part of part of the reason why, or even I would say most profoundly the reason why, uh, Saint Thomas says that politics, the art of living well together, is all about living in virtue. Mm-hmm. It's ultimately the the critical cornerstone of politics. Yeah, you know, you mentioned earlier how. Um you're part of a lot of what you guys talk about over the new polity uh, and the, the post-liberal uh, journal of post-liberal thought. That's what it says on here. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the post-liberal thing, which we'll talk more about later, is that um, is that there's not there there aren't neutral areas of life. Yeah, mm-hmm. there, there aren't. Uh, I mean, we we, we know this. We, this happens to us all the time in the spiritual life the spiritual life, you know, where we end up with these boxes, you know, my faith is in a box on Sunday or, or maybe there are certain areas of my life that I I bring in and I can see how it affects them. But these other areas, unless I encounter some big, hairy moral question, (laughs) they're kind of just neutral. They just kind of are on autopilot. That's right. Um, And that's not how a Christian is supposed to live. It's not. We, but I don't want to I wouldn't want to blame too many people for that if they don't realize it. Sure, you know, sure. I, you know and I know that's obviously not what you're doing. Mm. I, I just when when we're starting to because we're going to get into some radical stuff, you know. <laughs> so I kind of want to preface it with, you know, it's like it's it's okay if this is super new and and also seems challenging to yeah. the way that you live. It was super challenging to the way that I was living. Mm. Um, but but we've gotten into something like a Stockholm syndrome, mm-hmm. where you know with, within this idea that uh, people who were uh, held at gunpoint 
ultimately came to defend their captors. It, why would they ever do that? Well, they kind of had to justify it to themselves. Life isn't that bad. It's okay. No, they're probably doing the right thing. Where we've actually started to lie to ourselves and, and believe the lie. And I think a big one that you're, you're just referring to is we don't have to have a culture that is just profoundly Catholic. Mm. Like what we have in the modern culture, Americana as it is, mm. is, is good enough. Mm. You know, we're, we're doing pretty well and you can just hold your beliefs privately while we have a public square where we can debate with the premise of just secular principles and nothing more. Mm. And, and I think that's profoundly what Christ overturned. And mm. when John the Baptist was calling out from the Jordan and all of Jerusalem and Judea were coming out to him. Well, I think that was the conversion of, of the culture at, at large, where you find another exodus. All of Jerusalem, all of Judea, and where are they going? Out to the desert, just as the Israelites once left Egypt going out to the desert. Why were they leaving Egypt? That was a pagan land. It wasn't following God. We have to start over in a sense. We need to get out of our Stockholm syndrome, really come back to the call of, of John the Baptist and then, of course, of Christ himself, of repenting, of changing our minds. Mm -hmm. Metanoia, that's, mm -hmm. of course, what the word means in Greek, yeah. so that we might be able to, again, see his face more clearly and, yeah. and to live in accordance with what he craves. One of the things I, I love about, yeah, it was a good, a good point in the sense of, you know, we, as we talk about this stuff, uh, in terms of the actual practicalities in everyone's life, I mean, everyone's in, in a discernment process. We're all frogs in the proverbial soup. You totally, know? And, yeah. And it's a yeah. process. We're all about the journey here. We're all about the process. Rather than thinking of it, rather than receiving it as as this sort of depressing challenge that God puts on us, it, it's an opportunity. Like yeah. one of the things oh, yeah. I love about the virtues is it's it's practically for me. It's given me a, a much more actionable way to look at all the aspects of my life. Right. You know, rather than kind of like having to like wait around for some big moral question. It's like, no, I can look differently at my money, at my time, at my schedule, because they're all opportunities. Yeah. There isn't there isn't these these aspects of my life where there's moral questions and then everything else is neutral. It's that no, no, every opportunity, everything I have is to be turned over and given a purpose in light of Christ. And so yeah. it, it's a it yields great opportunity, I think, if we if we look at Look at it rightly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. Otherwise, it will just seem like, oh, man, there's like so many th more things I got to go with the confession for, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. And then you're just slotting through. But if, if we do keep the the ultimate goal of actually having that intimacy with, with Jesus himself mm -hmm. as a goal, it, like, well, that's just motivation for everything. Yeah. And hey, you know, if that's what's driving you, well, there's a few things that he's left us where we can really start to, you know, ascend the, the ladder and, and get closer to him. The seats, that, as you know, mentioned, seeing his face more clearly yeah, is yeah. to use the language of the Psalms. So that's uh, that's what it's all about. So good preface. I like that. One of the things, so we, my brother and I talked a lot about uh, with Joseph Pieper's book, something I hadn't encountered before that, that really started me uh, looking into the virtues more deeply was Pieper, again, drawing from Aquinas, talking about uh, how important the virtue of prudence is. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think the, the man on the street, if they know about, if they know the, the list of the virtues at all, if they were, if you were to ask them which is the, like, the cardinal of the cardinal virtues, if they even know the list, prudence wouldn't come to mind as being of great importance. It would seem to be like the don't be stupid, stupid <laughs> virtue. Why is prudence so important in, 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 the, in the system of virtue? Well, you, so, so of course, the, the highest of all the virtues is love, of course. Yeah. But, but the reason why prudence is so essential is because of the nature of 
uh, human action itself. Now, yeah. let me let me just step. I don't want when you say something like human action, it's like, oh gosh, that sounds so theoretical. <laughs> but l- let me break it down like this. Think about what law does. Law tells you what to do. Law says do this, don't do that. It it's not operated within any sort of creativity. You don't have to be creative to follow law. You just do what you're told. The virtues are not like that at all. Mm. The virtues only work with a totally free will and also by the the ingenuity of the individual person. If you come to a a, a, a tricky situation mm. and, you, and you really don't know what to do, that's in, in one sense because we just haven't figured out we just haven't cultivated the virtues enough. The, the saint will have this creative moment of figuring out pr- exactly what needs to be done. Um, and that's why prudence is, is paramount uh, amongst the cardinal virtues, w- which then defines all the others. Okay. Uh, it, it is that creative insight that, says, that goes beyond a legal following of some state dictum and into the the personal relationship with God where there is that creative moment that or even a recreative mm-hmm. moment uh, where where one's bringing their own uh, goodness yeah. and into a situation yeah it, prudence it seems to me that uh, such an important part of it is that it's like this, it's this tether to reality it's yeah. this habit of being a person who who decisively wants to live in reality you know, I want to be in truth. Um, and it also, I think for the Christian too, it it it, um, it seems to me to define one of the really practical aspects of prayer and that prayer, we, mm. we're practicing going back to reality, you know, pl- placing ourselves in the presence of God and saying, okay, wait, despite what I, how I feel or what's going on in my life, like, what is true? What is real? And yeah. I, re- I really want to, I want to cultivate this openness so that, I, yeah, so that I, I can really almost in this artistic way, I, w- I want to create with God. And yeah. I want to be able to have this creative uh, attack uh, toward my life, you know, in t- terms of you know, discerning the next steps and trying to live out my vocation as I'm supposed to. Yep. But that yep. tether to reality uh, seems to me to be a really important thing. Well, well, absolutely. I think within our society at large, but, you know, just we're basically, we probably see it in our life all, all the time. It's like we get stuck in our heads yeah. and then we're like stuck in some abstract situation that doesn't actually exist. And, you know, the word became flesh, you know, became yeah. real, became incarnate. And and prudence drives us there again. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, re- kind of relieving, actually, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, um, again, the, the virtues uh, kind of giving us a map uh, for human action. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interplay between, you know, our sort of our, our passions uh, and uh, and our intellect in that... We, we want the whole thing to be working in harmony. Mm-hmm, Oftentimes mm-hmm. It, we, we, we're operating upside down where our passions are guiding us. I mean, that's what rationalization means, right? right. It's when our, our reason sort of bringing up the rear, so to speak, uh, for whatever our passions are driving us towards. Yeah, yeah, well said. And, and just maybe just give one uh, easy example for all this. Think about um, the virtue of courage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it in itself is not a pure habit. So this is something that's sometimes misunderstood within virtue, uh, uh, conversation of virtue, yeah. is that when St. Thomas refers to virtues as habitus, yeah. which of course sounds like our word habit, 
the or, habits or the are, word hobbit you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> which of, of course it sounds like like pavlov's dog in yeah. a certain sense yeah. like you hear a bell you just go over and you do it or you wake up in the morning you pour yourself a cup of coffee without really thinking about it and that's anything but what the virtues actually are mm -hmm. they're habitus they're dispositions they're second natures they're yeah. creative in, uh, uh, orientations within us and when we look at courage, for instance, you can see this with the person who's considering whether or not to fight somebody. Well, the courageous man is, is the one that just as, as readily does not pull the trigger as, as he readily does, mm -hmm. always in love. Mm -hmm. um, he is not the, necessarily the one that runs out first into battle. You could call that stupid in a certain situation. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there is the creative uh, orientation that is paramount. Uh, and and it's always different yeah. within within the life of virtue. You never are going to necessarily be able to guess what the virtuous person is going to do. That's why the saints all look differently. Yeah, you know, it's like the more you become virtuous, the more creative you're going to be. The more just as God created you to be, you're going to be. And it's also why the you know the vicious people are kind of all the same. You know, <laughs> it's, it's seems like monotonous. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. Like every dictator kind of has this like weird mustache and <laughs> you know a fetishization of concentration camps. It's like you don't come yeah. up with anything new, man. Yeah, you know, right. <laughs> you know, it's almost like the the, the virtue stuff. It, it's a bit of the answer to that question that was sort of on your mind early in your journey, uh, in the sense of. Um, what Christianity offers us an answer to this concern that, okay, is my life just going to be this, this everlasting toil of just trying to pull myself up by my bootstraps? Like yeah. being good all the time is hard. Like, is that what the Christian life is about? It's just like day after day of just doing hard, the hard, good thing. Well, part of the answer is that no, Christ wants to transform us. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Our disposition, mm -hmm. we become different kind of people. Right. You know, we, um, and that's a, it's a much rosier picture, you know. It's it's still hard. It's still a sacrifice. It's still it's still a lot of pain involved. But yeah, yeah. yeah but as Catherine of Siena said, that the, the way to heaven is heaven, right? Yeah. And and so, it's there's a joy in in each one of those those moments. Yeah. Well, yeah. I want to I want to turn us to um, I think the real meat here again. So Father Peter and I we spent a long time kind of working through Peeper, just going over the the, the structure of the cardinal virtues yeah. and and you know just the the basics on all those. Um, and we, we got a little bit into starting to apply them more to some more concrete areas. But cool. again, one of the things that perked up my ears was you guys uh, have a, a kind of a running series now on the New Polity podcast mm -hmm. talking about the virtues in relation to money, talking about some virtues that I really hadn't heard of before, but also just applying the virtues to an area that um, both in terms of virtue and in terms of actual life, I don't have a lot of experience with. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about that a little bit. So the sure. virtues in terms of money, I don't know where to start there, but. Yeah, well, I think w there's, <laughs> there's so much to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe when people think about money, uh, they might be thinking about systems or to-do lists. Like, you know, if, if you're kind of raised by a responsible American family, you know, you're going to be given, uh, a, you know, what do you call that? Uh, not a salary, but um, your uh, allowance. Your allowance. Yeah. yeah, thanks. Each week, you know, your, your dad teaches you how to save 10%, uh, invest 10%, uh, maybe hopefully tithe 10%, mm -hmm. and then use the rest, you know, thoughtfully or, or have a general savings or something like that. And, uh, and then when we get older, 
Uh, we might think about money in terms of systems, like we need a better uh, tax system to be able to figure out what uh, what to do with money better, or, or, or just if we look at the inequality in our society, you know, taxes might uh, fix it, or fewer regulations might fix it, and we're, uh, we just find within the modern conversations, like, just a, a lack of uh, dialogue between the use of money and the virtues. Mm-hmm. So it's usually put in terms of check boxes on the mm-hmm. one hand, or government systems, or lack thereof, uh, on the other. And we don't think that there can ever be a good society without good people. It's not just getting better systems yeah. uh, at play. It's actually getting better people. And then we have a shot. And so when we uh, were trying to figure out what to do, we just went back to what the Christian tradition says are the predominant virtues that are orientated towards the proper use of money. Mm-hmm. And, and they're not systems. We kind of have rules to uh, help us get going uh, with understanding what the what the virtues are. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it comes back to that creative use and the search for holiness that uh, where we find real answers. Yeah, it seems to me that that's... Uh the scriptures in the New Testament that talk about money, we're often able to dismiss precisely because I think we're so habituated to thinking in terms of systems that we mm. see, like I think of the, you know, the example of you know, the rich young ruler and Christ yep. tells him to you know, sell all he has and follow him. And we look at that and if we, we take that as, okay, is that a system that's supposed to apply to me? Well, that can't possibly apply to me in the exact same way. Therefore, there's <laughs> nothing I really need to learn from this passage. Uh, unless it, you're getting called to to uh, unless, an order, eh? Unless that's yeah. exactly me, then I guess there's nothing to learn here. What what is with our, our kind of our fixation on systems? Because that's a bit of kind of what's baked into your guys' project a little bit is, yeah, that aspect of modern thought. Well, right? I, I mean, there's kind of a short answer and a long answer. Do you want the short one or the long one? <laughs> short one. Let's go with the short one. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think it's really this. That by and large, our modern system does not believe that people can really change and that people really are orientated towards uh, loving and serving their neighbors, like actually liking their neighbors. There is a assumption, an anthropological assumption, an assumption about who we actually are that says that we we really do create more problems when when we live in community with others than we solve. Mm. And that as a result, we need a uh, some sort of apparatus, some sort of governing structure mm-hmm. to ensure that we all stay in our places because we if we, without these laws, without these regulations, without real control, then we're not really going to get along. Um, this is obviously famously talked about by uh, both Thomas Hobbes and John Locke. Mm-hmm. Um, John Locke was, you know, w- probably the the great theorist uh, inspiring Thomas Jefferson. Um, Locke himself was a huge fan of, of Hobbes. Uh, one of his friends said that he always had a book of the Leviathan <laughs> on his desk and recommended it to everybody he knew. Um, and and but it's also an an anthropological assumption that the Catholic Church kind of laughs at and says that's just not true. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a good example of uh, of this is that we think that if we didn't have traffic lights and traffic laws, that everything would be absolute chaos all the time. Yeah. It's like we just couldn't do it without it. Yeah. But I mean, you just anybody on a snow day knows that's not true. Right. Traffic lights are out and people are waving one another on. Yeah, there's accidents. But it's because of the snow. It's not because of 
uh, you know, the force of custom and the goodness yeah. of people uh, suffers at that moment. Um, and we and we even find this where the less that we know about somebody else, the more we're uh, quick to make a judgment about them, uh, and often for the worse. Mm-hmm. But the more we get to know somebody and say, "Yeah, but there's more to the story there," and and this is this gets to the the Catholic principle of subsidiarity mm-hmm. there, where where things really do need to be dealt with on the lowest common uh, level. Why? Because that's the that's the only place that we could have a chance of knowing the other personally. Yeah, and and of course this is you know Peeper's point with justice mm-hmm. is that ultimately distributive justice, the truest form of justice, is rendering to each his due. But you don't know what the other is due unless you know the other. Yeah, you know this. It, it's easy to sometimes to iron out some of the like the the small. More, like more specific apologetics issues when someone's becoming Catholic. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a longer, um, subtler process of sort of maybe ironing out some of the worldviews. And that's, I think, true. Yeah. Again, even for many Catholics themselves, they've absorbed a lot of the liberalism of the culture, a lot mm-hmm. of the, 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 the worldview assumptions, you know, the, sort of a, a pessimistic uh, assumptions about human nature and about the world. And I mean, we find this all the time. I, I can't remember who said it uh, recently. I saw the quote, but that all... That, in a sense, all worry, all anxiety is a, is a atheism of a sort. Like we can, totally. we can, we can, yep. be, we can say we believe in a loving, provident Father God, but then we can all, all day long in our actions, in our words, in our in our emotions, be living as if that's not the case. Yeah, and like that's a big deal. Yeah. That affects <laughs> everything we do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just as much as uh, you know when we when we sin, why we have to confess all of our sins. It's it's because we've at that moment stopped believing in God's promise mm. and, le- and left him as a result. And anxiety actually really is one of those situations. And, and like I say, that is a guy that struggles with anxiety, um, you know, very in a very real way. Mm. And, I re- and I just know this, that, that it is one of these moments where I just doubt God, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you know, by his grace, I'll, I'll get through it and, and yeah. hopefully others with me. Uh, but but I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that discussion. The first of two discussions on Deep in Christ with Jacob Imam. He'll be back next week. I was really touched by his story. It's so neat to see, again, the journey of his family uh, to, to Christ, to the church, and then him rounding out this discussion of how he really found a home in the church for his, the longings of his heart, the sense of needing his sin to be taken seriously, but also needing the grace to help him live the life he knew he was called to. And, and I really appreciated his rounding out, giving us a, a refresher on, again, why the virtues really are so important to the Christian life. They really do describe, um, we're called to holiness, but what does that holiness look like? We're called to imitate Christ, but who is Christ? What are those qualities that make him up? Um, we have the man Jesus, but the Beatitudes, the virtues, these qualities, they give us these patterns of life to begin to walk in. These, these ways of living and thinking that we want, to, we want to pick up and practice and enter into, not on our own, but through God's grace, through the power that he gives us through the sacraments, you know, through the relationship that we come to uh, when we go to him in prayer. So, good discussion. I, I enjoyed it. hope you enjoyed it. Again, this is a production of the Coming Home Network International. We are a network of people who have come to embrace the Catholic Church. We've come home to the Catholic Church as we see it, uh, and we're helping others who are interested in doing the same thing. So if that's you, if you have questions, or if you're on the journey, or if maybe you're thinking about becoming Catholic yourself, hey, this is your network. Visit www.chnetwork.org. 
We've got lots of resources, videos, articles, and newsletter for you, as well as an online community where you can journey along with us and many members like yourself, people who are uh, trying to follow Christ as best they can and trying to figure out um, <laughs> where their place is in this world of, of Christianity. So go to www.chnetwork.org, click community. We'd love to have you as a member there, as a fellow on this journey. So once again, I'm John Mark Grodi, your host here at the Coming Home Network International. See you again next week. God bless. God bless.